0: isaiah 43 and 19 behold i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you know it i will make i will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert we are taking our thought from this for this series from that scripture i will make a way In the wilderness. And so we're continuing this series today, Away in the Wilderness. You may be seated. Lord bless you. Thank you again for being in the house of the Lord. This series has been a multi week series. Uh, I got into this in my mind and I had my head wrapped around uh, really two or three things that I knew I wanted to talk about. And here we are into week six or seven and just didn't realize everything that God would kind of unwrap in the scripture for us, but I'm thankful for it. We started off our first week in this series, it was a new thing. God wants to do a new thing. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. I'm convinced that God still wants to do new things. We hadn't seen everything God can do yet. Amen. I know some of us have been around a long time, and I think we, we, we may think we know everything that God can do, but uh, God's not nearly about done showing off. He loves to show off when His people will believe Him for it. Amen. And so I want to see God do a new thing. How about you? In my life, in your life, in this church, amen, I want to see God do a new thing. The second week we talked about rivers in the desert. That verse talks about he will uh, make rivers in the desert. And I love that picture, that word picture, how in the midst of a dry place God will do uh, a miracle and he'll put something that doesn't belong there but because you're there he'll put something there to sustain you. And sometimes we'll go through a season in our lives and It's nothing but dryness. It's nothing but wilderness. And yet God will put something in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your chapter that you're going through that says, I know where you're at, and I'm going to put something there that doesn't even belong there, but I care about you so much, I'm going to put a river in the desert for you. Aren't you thankful for rivers in the desert? Hallelujah. That's not just a prophetic word to the nation of Israel. Certainly it is that to begin with but we are spiritual Israel, we are grafted in, and I believe there is a spiritual prophetic word to our lives that he wants to make a river in the desert of our lives. And certainly in the big picture, we are living in a climate, we live in the world, we're not of the world, but we're living in the world, and it is a dry, parched land. If you get to looking around, it's a desert land out there, spiritually speaking, without Christ. But God says, I'm going to put a river in the midst of a dry place. Listen, you can live for God in a dry time. Hear this, preacher. You can be an overcoming Christian in the midst of a desert, in the midst of a wilderness. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. You can live for God. Why? Because He's going to put a river in the desert for us. Hallelujah. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And then the next week was Rhodes. Roads. And we took that thought from the phrase away in the wilderness. That's literally what the word way means. It's a way. It's a traveling space. It's a convenient traveling road that god would put in a difficult place an impassable place god says i'm going to make a way when it doesn't seem like you can travel through it i'm going to give you a way to get through your wilderness and we said that speaks to the time frame of your wilderness that if god's going to make a road in your wilderness you're not meant to stay there forever you're meant to get on the road and travel through your wilderness that wilderness isn't meant to keep you forever So the way in the wilderness is meant to Uh, project to us that we are to go through the wilderness not live there forever. In fact we said it was the will of God when the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea that on the other side of the Red Sea was the wilderness. It was God's will for them to pass through the wilderness. But what what should have only taken two or three weeks to pass through, it took them 40 years. It's not the will of God that we spend a lifetime in our wilderness. It's not the will of God that we die in our desert. He makes a way in the wilderness for us to pass through. He didn't say you wouldn't face a trial. He didn't say you wouldn't go through things. He says, I'll make a way for escape for you to go through it. I wonder if anybody knows what I'm talking about. You've been through a storm or two. You've been through a thing or two. And God made a way for you to get through it. Somebody ought to give God praise because you came through the wilderness. I'm thankful that wildernesses don't last forever. They're not supposed to. Amen. But he didn't say they wouldn't come. He said, I'd give you a way in the wilderness. I'll give you a way to get through your storm. I'll give you a way to get through that difficult time. The next week, we preached on renewal. Renewal in the wilderness. We took our thought from Isaiah uh, chapter 35. The scripture quotes that there would be renewal in our hands and in our knees and in our hearts. And we liken that, we applied that uh, in, in, the, in our, our practical life in that our hands was worshipped. And our knees was our prayer life. And our heart is where we hide the Word of God. And God says, I'm going to create an atmosphere of renewal in your life that if you'll let me, I'll renew those weak hands that are tired from serving. Amen. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Keep worshiping. Keep lifting those hands. Keep giving God praise in the midst of your storm. He's going to renew you in your hands. And he's going to renew you in your knees. Amen. It's the will of God that we steal away time and we spend time with him in prayer. It's the will of God that we get to know our God, not just use him as a spiritual Santa Claus. Huh? We need to get to know our God. And he wants to get to know us. How do we do that? Through prayer through times of prayer where we steal away, where take advantage of any moment you can, but talk to the Lord. Let Him talk to your heart. Let Him speak to you. He said He'll renew our needs and He'll heal that area of prayer in our lives. If you feel a, a coldness in your spirit, I dare you to set time aside and get to praying again. Hallelujah. It was hunger in the hearts of people in Los Angeles on the wrong side of the tracks that they saw a move of God on Azusa Street. Why? Because they got hungry to steal away with God and get a fresh touch from Him. And the Holy Ghost was poured out. 1906 in Azusa Street, thousands of people began to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. What a tremendous story. Why? Because they got renewed in their prayer life. And then we talked about being renewed in our hearts. The Word of God, that's where we hide the Word of God. It's important that we're reading the Word of God. Amen. It's important that you're reading the Word of God. I need a better amen in this house. Are you with me today? If you're waiting on a fancy sermon, you can clock out and go. This may not be your sermon. But I'm going to preach my heart to you, and I need you to preach with me today. Amen. Some of you acting like you're waiting on me to do a trick or something. I need you to come into this house right now. Amen. I need you to be present in this house right now. Would you do that? Hallelujah. God said he would renew our hearts. He'd renew our prayer. He'd renew our worship. Amen. When we get hungry for God, He'll do a miracle in the midst of impossibility. When it seems like there is no way, He'll do a miracle in our lives. we got to let Him restore some things in our hearts. Restoration restoration. We talked about how it feels impossible. You never feel like you're going to get your money out of that restoration if you're restoring an old car. Probably not going to get all the hours that you put into that car. That's not what it's about. It's about restoring the value of that thing. Amen. It's... It's not about just getting your immediate gratification back. It's about seeing the value in something and putting it back to its former glory. Can I tell you, on our own merit, we're not worth a whole lot, but he loves us so much. Amen. If you're looking at my actions, it might not be worth a whole lot, but he saw past my faults. He saw past my failures, and he saw a value in me that was worth restoring my life. And your life hallelujah hallelujah and so God wants to do a work of restoration in our lives that brings me to this message today I'll be honest with you the last uh, message on restoration I thought I was done I got to read in the Bible God you'll never exhaust the Word of God you'll never exhaust the Word of God So I stand here today, I don't know what next week's going to be like. I don't know what the following week will be like. We'll just wait and see what God gives us, amen? But today God showed me a scripture. I want to give you the Word of God and it can change your life. Did you know the Word of God can still change your life today? You hadn't heard the best sermons yet. You hadn't heard the greatest messages yet. When we let the Word of God get into our hearts, it can change your mind. Hallelujah, and so I want to read to you today's text for this message. Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 35. This Moses, it says, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that, he showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, and in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness forty years. Woo, thirty-seven. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, for uh, of your brethren, like unto me, shall ye hear him. Shall ye hear? This is he. Watch this. That was in the church. In the wilderness, with the angel which spake to him on Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, and so today I'm going to preach to you this message: the church in the wilderness. Verse thirty-eight. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know there was a church in the wilderness. We talk about the book of Acts being the church. Acts 7 says there was a church in the wilderness. (laughs) This text that we're reading from in Acts chapter 7 is the words of the apostle Philip, a lesser-known apostle that we quote and read from of the 12 apostles. But Philip, in this moment, he's saying these words, He's in his own personal wilderness. In fact, if you read chapter six leading up to chapter seven, this is Philip's final words. Philip is to be stoned right after he says these words. He's in his own personal wilderness, and he makes in his dying words a reference to there being a church in the midst of a wilderness. I dare say that he caught a glimpse that no matter what you're facing, you can be the church in the midst of what you're facing. I think he knew where he was. He knew what he was facing. He knew what he was up against. He knew he was in his wilderness. And he says, there's a church. There's a church that doesn't stop being the church just because it gets difficult. There's a church, and I'm telling you today, there's still a church in the land of difficulty. There's still a church in a season of trial, in the season of darkness. There's a church, and it's the church triumphant. This is not a dead church. This is not a dry church. This is an overcoming church. This is a victorious church. This is a lively church. I don't care what you're facing today. I'm here to tell you, you're part of a church that he bought and he paid for and he's coming back for. You're part of a lively church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so in his final words, Philip says, there is a church in the wilderness. No, he wasn't implying that they had the same (coughs) excuse me, the same relationship in covenant as the new covenant church would have. No, they didn't speak in tongues in the wilderness. No, they didn't have uh, 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 the son of God that died upon a cross. Amen. That wasn't what he was meaning. What he said when there was a church in the wilderness, it literally means the called out ones. The ecclesia, the that are called out and separated he said even in the wilderness in the Old Testament there were some people that allowed themselves to be called out and separated can I tell you that's what it's still gonna take today to be called out and separated hallelujah and I don't just mean separated from worldly things I do mean that because the Bible does talk about that. But sometimes we got to realize just what we're separated from. Let me help somebody today. You're also supposed to be separated from that sickness that's plaguing you. You're also supposed to be delivered from that chronic thing that's dogging your trail. Hallelujah. Not just from worldliness, but He bought and paid the whole thing in your life. Called out. Called out. Philip intentionally uses the word church in the wilderness. Seems out of place. Seems like a misplacement of the word. And yet he intentionally uses it. There was a church in the wilderness. A called out people. Listen, if you're going to see the miracles of God, you got to allow your life to be called out. And so bring it to today. Bring it to this moment. Did you know he's still calling us out he's still calling for us he's still whispering and sometimes it is that still small voice amen some of us we got so much going on in our lives that that if he doesn't shout and scream we don't hear him and sometimes I think that's why he whispers because he waits for us to get rid of some distractions in our lives listen God doesn't want to be in your life and be second He's not okay with being on any other throne than the throne of your life and your heart. Amen. God is a jealous God. huh? God says, I want to be number one or I don't want to be any number. He doesn't want to be number two in your life. He doesn't want to be 14. He doesn't want to be anywhere else but on the, the throne and the seat of your heart. And so he's still calling us out today, saying, can I be Lord over your situation? You say, oh, well, I have a relationship with Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I guarantee every one of us has had some, some exposure to his presence. Some of you have been living for God so long, amen, that, 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 that you could, you could you know talk, talk about what you forgot more than what some people know. That's how long we've been doing this. And yet today, he's still calling us out, still calling to us. Might be that still small voice, though. You know, we're living in a time that is changing. <laughs> we see things happening all around us. I tell you, I—I'm I, fifty. None of your business. Years old, and I—I've seen so much change in my life. I grew up in church. And I thought, hmm, how's this all going to come out? Because we're about a million miles away from certain prophecies coming to pass. Uh, In the last few years, we've seen more happen. I get it now. I get it how some prophecies are going to come to pass. Huh. I get how this is going to change because the world is changing. The Bible says that it's in the darkness of night that the light shines brighter. Jesus didn't say that our light was going to get brighter. It's already bright. Truth is truth. Light is light. It doesn't get brighter. It gets brighter when the earth gets darker. Truth is truth. We don't have to increase the truth of God. It's light. But the Bible says it's going to get darker around us. Church, that's the day and age we're living in it seems like everything that used to be in concrete is now up for question. Everything that used to be so sure and so, well, this, well, we're this, and oh, that could never, and ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it could change on a dime. And now suddenly, we don't know what gender we are. We don't know what bathroom we're using. We don't know how to call things anymore. Listen, it's time to get back in the Word of God. And let the Word of God speak. Now listen, we love everybody and we're going to love on people that aren't living in truth. But I'm here to tell you, we still got to speak truth. And let the Word of God go forth. In love. But let the Word of God go forth. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm here to say it's time to be the church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness. Listen, I'm going to come out swinging if I hadn't already. Some of us are waiting on things to get back to normal. You're praying the wrong prayer. You're praying the wrong prayer. It's time to get the anointing that God wants us to have for where we're at. Stop waiting on Jesus to come back and give us our comfort zone. Listen, some of us was on cruise control. He's not coming back to put us on cruise control. He's put us in a situation so we would wake up as the church. It's time to be the church in the wilderness, not the church in my comfort zone. Well, I don't like this, that, or the other. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't choose 2020 either. But here we are. Huh? Listen, I'm... I'm done bashing 2020. I, I'm, I'm, it is what it is, folks. And I am so sorry for everything that transpired in that calendar year. I am so sorry. And if you lost a loved one to a pandemic, I am so sorry. But if we are waiting on God to come down and put us back to 1986 or whatever your happy zone is, whatever that date is where everything was fine and we didn't really have to do much, listen, welcome to church. Welcome to church. That means sometimes we're going to have to do church outside this building. That's not the worst thing that could ever happen. No, give me back what we used to have. Huh? Huh? Sound a whole lot like Israel. Right. Sound a whole lot like Israel being delivered. We want to go back to Egypt. All right. When he says, I want you to be the church in the wilderness. There's an anointing that will match whatever you're facing. You don't need your situation to change. You need an anointing to face your situation. Oh, oh, I want to stir somebody's gift up. You've been praying the wrong prayer. You've been asking God to change your situation and God's trying to wake you up. God's trying to show you that in the midst of your wilderness, I'll give you an anointing you never had. I'll give you a prayer life you never had. I'll give you something you've never had. I'll give you weapons you've never had. Why? Because you've never been here before. Stop praying the wrong prayer. Let's stop wishing we could go back to 2019 or 2016 or 2000 whatever or 19 whatever. Listen, here we are, 2021. Let's be the church. The church triumphant. The Bible doesn't say that if you go through difficult things that you're a lesser church. Oh, the church grew. The church grew when they were resisted. The church grew whenever they were martyred. The church grew whenever they were beaten. The church grew when they were chased down. Oh, but we want this, we want that. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I got a book for you tonight. Amen. That There is something that Philip wants us to know in his dying words. There's supposed to be a church in the wilderness. Hallelujah. And so several things I see in this scripture. First thing that happens when we become the church in the wilderness. Amen. we got to change our prayers. Lord, make us the church in the wilderness. Make us the church right here. Not the church of used to be. Not the church of my comfort zone. Make us the church in the wilderness. So I'm going to give you scripture today. Philip gives us several things that are going to happen when we become the church in the wilderness. He says in verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Watch this. With angels which spake to him on Mount Sinai. I'm going to tell you, there ought to be heaven come down when we start being the church in the wilderness. We've got a promise that if you'll step up and stop waiting on a time to be the church, but you're the church now, he promises, I'll bring heaven down to you. I'll bring ministering spirits down to you. Be the church in the wilderness. Uh, he says angels came down and ministered among them. Hebrews 12 and 22 puts it this way. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Huh. Hebrews 1 and 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? There are angels, and he says, I want to send them down, but you got to be the church. So I got a word for somebody. We're waiting on angels, and he's waiting on us to be the church. We're waiting on him to come back us up, and he's waiting on us to wake up. He's not going to send angels to people that are not the church. Right. <laughs> right. You say, well, I am the church, and I'm glad you are. But we got to be more than just the church. we got to be the church, according to Philip, in the wilderness. Right. The church in the wilderness. And when you become the church in the wilderness, he says, I'll cause heaven to come down. Huh? I don't know about you, but I want some heaven down here. I'm tired. I'm tired of eking my way through life. I need a little bit of heaven. Can I get an amen in the room? I'm tired of eking my way. I'm tired of just, oh, from Sunday to Sunday, I hope there's a move from God. No, I need a little bit of heaven Monday through Saturday. I need an angel to show up. I need the Holy Ghost to talk to me on Wednesday, not just Sunday. I need to know that God is with me on Monday and Saturday, not just Sunday. But it happens when we become the church in the wilderness. He says, I'll bring heaven down. When we become the church in the wilderness, heaven comes down and angels pay attention. I got a book for you. I got another scripture that tells you that heaven pays attention when we become the church. 1 Peter 1 and 2. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Did you catch that? When we get busy preaching what we're supposed to preach, the angels come down and look into it. When we get to doing what the church is supposed to do, not waiting for a better time to do it, not waiting for a more convenient time to do it, not waiting until we feel like doing it, but when we get to be in the church in the wilderness, the Bible says an angel's desire to come and look into it. Heaven comes down when we become the church in the wilderness. Uh, you need another scripture? I got one for you. You're in luck. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repenteth. Ah, heaven comes down when we get busy being the church. Hallelujah. Heaven comes down. When we let heaven truly come down in our lives, we don't just come to church, we become the church. When we let heaven come down in our lives, we stop just going to church and we become the church. Hallelujah. Can I wake somebody up today? This building is not the church. You're the church. This stuff you see is not the church. The building out on the highway is not the church. We're the church. We're already loosed in the land. We're already anointed. We're already gifted. Let's be the church in the wilderness. Hallelujah. I'm not waiting on a building. I'm not waiting on anything. Amen. I don't need this place to be the church. Oh, I told you before, put me at a gas station. I want to be the church. Take me to Walmart. I want to be the church. Put me on the job side. I want to be the church. Oh, you don't understand, pastor. We can't do church outside. I don't know who sold you that. I don't know who made you believe that. We got to stop leaving our Holy Ghost in this building. We're living in a wilderness. The world's waiting on the church to wake up. The world has heard about us. The world has seen reports. The world still wonders, do they still exist? Are they still there? I got news for you, Paducah. Yeah, we're still here. We're still here. God's church is still here. We got to wake up in the wilderness, though. Hallelujah. I believe somebody here today is tired of just coming to church. Amen. You made up your mind. I don't know how long I'm going to go through this wilderness. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know how long this trial's going to last. But I'm going to do like the prophet of old said. I'm going to choose ye this day whom I will serve. Amen. And I'm going to serve the Lord today. This day. I'm going to be the church in the wilderness. If my wilderness doesn't end tomorrow, I'm going to be the church. I wish I could tell you, families, that your trial is over. Amen. At the end of this service, we're going to pray in dismissal and all your trials are going to stay in here and you're going to go out. I wish that could be a real statement. But I can't say that. Some of you are going to go out and in the morning, you're going to fight the same hell that you've been fighting all week. And yet you're here today. And yet you're worshiping today and yet you're here in the presence of God saying I want to be the church I want God to move in my life I don't know when my wilderness is going to end but I'm going to be the church hallelujah when heaven comes down we become the church in the wilderness oh anybody need heaven to come down a little bit in your life my hands raised I I need heaven to come down a little bit in our lives yes we do The second thing, after we see that heaven's going to come down, in verse 38, it continues. It says, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. So I got the second thing for you. When we become the church in the wilderness, the word gets loosed. We loose the word in our lives. Bible says, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles. (laughs) excuse me, lively oracles to give unto us. Lively oracles. I liken that unto the preaching of the Word of God. I've said it recently, and I'm going to say it again. And I may say it again soon. It's time to loose the pulpit. You say, preacher, you do whatever you want anyway. What are you talking about? You say whatever you want anyway. What are you talking about? No, I'm talking about from your perspective. I know I say what I feel to say. you got to release the word in your life. You see the difference? I'm not just released to preach. If I preach, you got to release it to come into your heart. you got to release the word to come into your life and change you. And dare I say, you got to release the word of God to convict you and to move you in the spirit. It's time to loose the pulpit in our churches. Hallelujah. And I vow to you, we're gonna do it with excellence. We're gonna do what we do with excellence. We're gonna do it with the best of our ability. When I step to this pulpit, I'm gonna do it with the best of my ability. And I'm gonna try to live up to Paul's words let everything be done in decency and in order. But can I tell you, we gotta stop. Uh, uh, putting rails on this Word and comfort zones on the Word of God. It's time to let the Word of God get out into our lives. Hallelujah. Anointed preaching has to be in our services like never before. That's why I said what I said a few moments ago. I need you to be in this moment. I need you to preach with me, amen. Not because I'm insecure and I need that that vote, amen. Don't get me wrong, that's nice. I'm going to preach with you or without you. But I want you here because I want you to get something out of this service. I want you to get something out of the Word of God. Not just I need to hear the amen. That helps and that's wonderful. But I need you to get the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so we need the anointed preaching of God. Do you know it was the anointed preaching that Peter prays in prison, Acts 4 and 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. We need boldness in the word of God not just theatrics, not just emotion. And yeah, I have a little bit of that, and I just am who I am. Sorry for you, but I'm going to be true to who I am. But that's not what I'm talking about, personality. I'm talking about the truth of the Word of God. We need to let the truth of the Word of God so that when a missionary comes by on a Wednesday night, he can tell us that the blessings of God are still in the house of God, and we rejoice with it. Why? Because it's the truth of the word. Amen. You're not backing up a personality up here. You're not backing up a, a person or a name. We're backing up the word of God. And if the word goes forth and it's one of the young people on a youth night, we ought to back it up and say, Amen. That's the truth. We don't follow personalities. Don't do that. Don't follow personalities. Well, I like this preacher better than that preacher. Don't be that person. Don't be that church. Let the Word of God stand. Let the Word of God stand. And let people grow in their ministry. Not everybody that gets up here is going to be a seasoned speaker or a seasoned preacher. Can we let the value of the Word still touch our hearts? We got to loose the Word in our lives we got to loose the word. He says when we become the, the church in the wilderness that lively oracles are given unto us. Listen, don't minimize the word of God in your life. Don't minimize the word of God. Romans 10 and 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how, the, how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Don't minimize the preached word of God. And I concede a lot of days I qualify for the scripture that says the foolishness of preaching. I get it. It may not be amazing every time we step to the pulpit, but at the end of the day, I'm really not looking for your vote on my personality. I'm looking for God to minister to your spirit through the Word of God. So we got to loose the Word of God in our lives. Can I just say it? You need a preacher in your life. I'll go one step further. More than a preacher, you need a pastor in your life. You need the Word of God to be loosed in your life. You need someone that you give permission to loose the Word of God in your life and you're not always offended. Amen. Amen. I concede the church should attempt to correct in love and to preach in love, even rebuke in love. There ought to be an, an underpining of love in everything that we do. But having said that, we need to loose the word of God to say what it needs to say in our lives. I've been here four years. If you're watching this online and you're not part of our church, I'm speaking to our church only right now. I've been here four years. And there needs to be an allowance for me to be pastor, not just your preacher, on Sunday. Give me a little bit of leniency right now. I need to be more than just the person that does your preacher duties in your life. I say this in the humility of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to give an account for you when I get up there. Did you do this? Did you do that? as your pastor i'm going to hear did you tell him the truth sure i got things i need to do sure i'm called to do many things but above and beyond anything else i'm called to stand in this pulpit and plead for your soul and come against carnality And get you to wake up in the midst of where you're at. And be the church in the midst of your wilderness. I'm called to call you to an altar. Why do you open the altars all the time? Why, why do you do things the way you do? I don't know. I'm just me. But we're trying to have church. We're just trying to have a move of the Holy Ghost. At some point, I need you to let me be more than just your preacher. I need to be more than just somebody who goes and have coffee with you. And yes, I want to go have coffee with you, but I need to be your pastor because I'm going to give an account for what I say over your life and what you let get spoken into your life. But when we become the church in the wilderness, uh, we loose the word. The Bible says that they received lively oracles that were given unto them. Lively oracles. So I want to say at the end of this point in the message, the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. My preaching may not be. My preaching may be lacking fine but the word of god will not come back void the word of god will change your life the word of god and i pray i do as good a job as i can with it but if you receive the word of god not personality not sermonizing but the word of god it will change your life i promise you it will change your life but you got to loose the word in your life you got to loose the word hallelujah hallelujah Furthermore, we get authority when we lose the word. You want authority in your life? You want to increase that quotient in your life where, where demons listen to you pray? Now don't get me wrong, that, that's not automatic. Because even the disciples came to Jesus and said, hang on, why when we prayed did that demon not go out? And he said, some of these things go not out but by prayer. Prayer. And by fasting. Uh, You want to increase the authority in your life? Loose the preached word in your life. The two go hand in hand. You're not going to be anointed without the word. You can have personality without the word. You can have words without the word. (laughs) You can have you without the word. I can be me without the word. But you can't have authority without the word. It's the word that looses dominion and authority in your life. Watch this. The centurion, Matthew 8 and 8, answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only. He knew the value of the spoken word. How did he know that? Because he was a centurion in the army. He goes on to say, he says... For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, cometh, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he do it, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I've not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. You want to increase your dominion and authority in your life? Let the word of God get loosed in your life. He said, speak the word only. It's the word of God that will increase our anointing. So I come full circle. It's time to loose the anointed word of God from our pulpit. Why? Not just for sermonizing. Not just for for good messages. That's not what we're doing. We are loosing the word of God because we want, we're the church in the wilderness. And we need greater authority. We need greater dominion. We need greater power. So we got to loose the word. Hallelujah. It's time to be the church in the wilderness. You know, uh, the business of, Lord, send them in, send them in. I don't really think that's effective. I really don't, I I don't, I don't think it's effective to say, Lord, I'm the church, but I can't be bothered. I, I'm. I'm what you called me to be, but I can't be bothered with anyone else becoming what they need to be. But when we become the church in the wilderness. Guess what it stops becoming about? Building? We, we don't need the building. You can go have church on a parking lot. We, we don't need this. Oh, I'm thankful and we're blessed and and, and we're going to walk in whatever God gives us and we're going to build out there. But listen, the day we, come, we become restricted to a building, we're the church in the building then, not in the wilderness. I hope you're hearing me today. I'm not against the building, but I don't want to be known as the church in the building. I want to be known as the church in the wilderness. That means I got to stop and talk to somebody who isn't in the building. I got to care for somebody who hasn't come to the building yet. Oh. This business of us four and no more that is so anti-biblical, that is so unfounded in the word of God. He said, whosoever will, let them come. We gotta go get them. We're not waiting for them to come in. I'm going to get them. How about you? I'm not waiting on people to show up. I'm gonna go get them. Because we're the church in the wilderness. Oh, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm making some of you nervous or not, but I, I, I want to be the church in the wilderness. <clears throat> That's unconventional. It's a little bit unknown. It's a little bit scary because we grew up doing church in the building. We're more married to our programs than we are to seeing the lost. We come in and we do the same thing in every service because that's how we've always done it. And we're more married to our programs. We're more married to our comfort zone. We're more married to, we're watching the clock, preacher. And thankfully, I've not seen one of you do that since I've been here in four years. But if we're not careful, we get married to our programs and God's waiting on us to wake up and become the church in the wilderness, the church on your job. I'm thankful for what we have and we're going to keep building because some people need to come to a place. They need to get to a place. But listen, that's not where it starts. It starts on your job. It starts in your friendships. It starts out in the community. Oh, oh God, loose the church in the wilderness. Oh God, loose us into the wilderness. If it was all about formality, Jesus would have come up out of the water and went straight to the synagogue. But he didn't do it. After John the Baptist baptized him, the Bible says, and straightway he went into the wilderness. Why? Because some things had to happen that wouldn't happen in the synagogue. It happened in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. It's time to get out of the church and into the wilderness. Pastor, you're scaring us. No, I'm in the book today. You want a greater anointing? Get in the wilderness. You want to increase your prayer life? Get into the wilderness. Oh, pastor, we hadn't heard it this way before. Listen, we're so busy trying to create safe zones so we don't stand out in the world. It's time to stand out. It's time to be the church in the wilderness. It's time to be a drink of water in the midst of a dry place. It's time to be a river of living water to people that are thirsty. But we got to get out of the building and be in the wilderness. But we've done it. We've done it. We've grown up. And our youth groups have to do this. And our young people need this in order to survive. You know what our young people need more than anything? is an altar. I don't like that preaching. Well, I'm sorry. We will have a youth building. We will have a gymnasium. But more than a pizza party or anything else, our young people need the church to be the church in the wilderness. We love pizzas. We're going to do it, but pizza's not going to save you, young person. An altar will save you. A prayer life will save you. And reaching the lost will help save you. We've created this comfort zone. We've created this, I want to be surrounded by people that are just like me. And we've created, I'm going to say it, forgive the boldness, but we've created spiritual weaklings. We've created a church atmosphere where we don't know how to pray, but I can tell you the statistics of my basketball team. I don't know how to, to quote the word, but I can tell you what, what this show said. How am I doing? Are you with me today? I'm preaching about being the church in the wilderness. Oh, God, forgive us. Oh, God, forgive us for being addicted to games online. And yet we can't read your word. And I'm not against games online. Oh, God, forgive us for how much time we spend on Facebook. And yet we can't read the book. And I'm not against Facebook. Oh, God. Something powerful happens, though, when we become the church in the wilderness. Oh, do you feel that? I feel a stirring in the spirit. Oh, I feel a stirring in my heart. I want to be the church in the wilderness, Jude 1 and 23 says, and others, saving with fear, pulling them out of the fire. The only way you're going to pull somebody out of the fire is to get out there by the blaze. Where it's all being burned up. Where it's all falling apart. Get out there and reach in the fire. Oh, send them in, Lord. Send them in, Lord, because I can't be bothered. Send them in, Lord. Oh, God. He said some people are only going to be saved if you go reach in the flames. There's some people that aren't going to be saved unless you go out there and get charred. There's some people that aren't going to be saved unless you go smell a little bit like the world. Oh, Oh, preacher, you're not supposed to talk like that. I didn't say go act like the world. I didn't say go live like the world. But far too long, too many generations have grown up. Preacher, if you don't preach the sermon I want, I ain't moving. Preacher, if the singers don't sing what I like, I'm not worshiping. And we've created spiritual infants. We've created this attitude. Feed me. Feed me. Bring it to me. Up, bring it to me. You need to go be with the world. Huh? Hear this, Pastor. You need to go be with the world. I didn't say live like the world. I didn't say do what they're doing. Yes, you're supposed to come out from among them, but we've read way too much into that. I'm coming out from among them, so I can't even look at them. I can't even speak to them. I can't even love them. Church, I give you pastoral permission to come into this church smelling like Cigarette smoke. What? Not because you're smoking, but because you're reaching somebody. That is. I give you pastoral permission to go be with people. I didn't say go to the bar and have a drink with them. But go be with people that are not like you. It's the only way you're going to win them, brother Mark. If you go be with people that are not like you, send them in, Lord. Send them in. I can't be bothered. No, we can be bothered. That Calvary, we got to be bothered. I said we got to be bothered. We got to be bothered. We got to be bothered. I will personally pick up every cigarette butt that lands on this parking lot. I'll do it. Would you just invite them? Church, are you okay if we put ashtrays on the outside of the building? What? We've never done that before. What if that's what it takes? Oh, they got to give that up before they come in here. No, maybe they have to put it out as they're walking in. But if we'll be the church out in the wilderness, they will come in. Oh, God. Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus turns to Peter. He says on this rock, I will church and be the church outside the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the world's waiting on a loosed church. I didn't say a loose church. I think sometimes the church is looking for a loose church. Let's just let the word speak. Let's line up to the word. Huh? And start living for God and be loose to be the church out in the wilderness. You know, they're waiting on on us to come. It's like the building on fire. They're waiting on the fire trucks to come. Firemen don't turn the hoses on at the firehouse. Send them in, Lord, and we'll put their fire out. Firemen, take the water and the apparatus, and everything that will save their life to the burning building. And at great personal peril and inconvenience, they climb the ladders, they break the windows, they carry people out of the building, saving them in the burning building. The business of sending them in has to stop. We're not waiting on people to come in. We're going to go get them. In 2021 church, we got to go get them. The church has to wake up to be the church in the wilderness. And if we loose the word and we let heaven come down, we will be the church in the wilderness. And finally, I see in this set of scriptures that the third thing that will happen is miracles. Miracles will be automatic when we are the church in the wilderness. The Bible says miracles, signs, and wonders. Watch this, verse 36. Philip puts it this way. And he brought them out. After that, he showed uh, uh, wonders and signs. Where? Where did he show miracles? In the land of Egypt. And in the Red Sea. Oh, I want to go to the promised land. No, 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 no. The miracles, the signs, the wonders aren't in the promised land. That's the reward. The miracles are in Egypt, in the Red Sea. And watch this. And in the wilderness. Oh, send them in, God, and we'll have miracles. No, the miracles are out there. The miracles are in Egypt, church. The miracles are out there. The miracle signs and wonders are out there. (laughs) See, our miracles are not a place of geography. It's a place of the heart. Far too long we've waited to get here to get a miracle. Your miracle is not a place of geography. Your miracle is a place of your heart. If you're without the Holy Ghost, you do not have to be standing up here to get the Holy Ghost. I have a personal friend that I grew up with that he sought for the Holy Ghost, sought for the Holy Ghost, sought for the Holy Ghost, didn't get it, even got discouraged. He's driving down the road with tears in his eyes. He said, okay, God, I've had enough. I need the Holy Ghost. On the side of the road, he lifted his hands in his car, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, with speaking in other tongues. You do not have to be in the church to get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You can be the church in the wilderness and get the Holy Ghost. Your friends can get the Holy Ghost. You can be restored and renewed in the hospital. Oh, I love calling people to the altars. It's convenient. The altar, there is no anointing increase right here. Why do you call people to the altar? It's just easier to pray for people. There is no increase of anointing up here. It's just a logistic thing. Come up and allow us to pray for you. Now, I will say this. When the preacher invites you to come up, I do believe there is a spiritual line you can cross where you step out by faith, not because there's more anointing up here, but because it looses something in your heart and in your mind and you say, I'm going to get what I need to get not because there's more anointing up here, but the spirit of obedience looses the blessing in your life. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to be up here to get your blessing, get your miracle, get your breakthrough, get your anointing, get your Holy Ghost. We're happy to get it, and it happens. Just last week, we had somebody get the Holy Ghost up here. So it's going to happen, and I pray for it to happen. But you can get the Holy Ghost, you can get your breakthrough, you can get your healing in the car, at home, wherever you're at. You can get ministered to. Why? Because the church is in the wilderness, not inside this building. Hallelujah. uh, He says, I'll give you ways in the wilderness. I'll give you rivers in the desert. But I ask you to be the church in the wilderness. God's asking us to be the church in the wilderness. Shall we stand today? Musicians, come. The days of putting off your freedom until life says you can have it, it's over. The days of your trial determining whether you're free or not, it ends today. The days of the enemy calling the shots of whether you can have joy in your life, it ends today. Why? Because we got a revelation. The Word of God says, Hey, devil, we don't have to be a church to have victory. We're the church in the wilderness. I don't need a certain particular sunshine to be in my life. me to feel joy I'm the church in the wilderness so go ahead storm go ahead wind blow go ahead lightning go ahead waves come on and crash in I'm the church in the wilderness you can't keep me down so keep talking devil keep talking enemy keep blowing storm I'm the church in the wilderness huh time to stop serving God only when it's convenient and it's time to stop questioning whether you have a relationship with God just because a trial comes around there are good people in the Bible that went through hell and they were in the will of God Bible says Joseph was in a pit he was in a prison sold into slavery And yet, three times in Scripture, the Bible says, and the Lord was with him. (laughs) But wait, God was with me, so I shouldn't be in prison. Sometimes you'll face things. Why? Because you're the church in the wilderness. Joseph hadn't done one thing wrong. What was Joseph doing? He was being the church in the wilderness. Philip says... There was a church in the wilderness. They were called out ones. They were the ecclesia. They were the ones that allowed God's hand to be upon them and do miracles in their life. They weren't just the church in the promised land. They were the church in the wilderness. in your hearing I want to give you one final scripture that I want you to chew on this week very familiar scripture Hebrews 11 and 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith But there's a word before faith. That word now, I did a a word study on that word. That word can fall into four categories in the English language. It can be a noun, it can be an adverb, it can be an adjective, or it can be a conjunctive, depending on how it's used. As a conjunctive You can use the word now, and it's pointing to the noun, saying that in light of this, this should happen. So as a conjunction word, if you say, now faith is the substance of things, now is pointing to faith and saying, now if you'll hear the rest of what I have to say, you'll find out that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So it's a a progressive word. It's a conjunctive. It points to something that's coming that's one way to use the word now but there's a second way in this verse that it could be used Could be used as an adjective where it doesn't just point to a word that's coming it describes the word that's coming oh I hope you get that the word now is not just saying hang on a second there's a word that's coming the word now as an adjective can be the word that describes the word that's coming. So, as an adjective, you could read Hebrews 11 and 1 as now faith. Not yesterday's faith, not someday's faith, but now faith. That changes what that verse could mean. Now faith. Is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You say, Pastor, why are we doing a, a word study on Hebrews 11 and 1? Because now we're living in tumultuous times. Now we're living in chaos. Now we're living in a dark dry world and yet hebrews 11 and 1 comes along and says now faith will get you things that you can't see now faith will get you an anointing that's right there now faith oh you mean we don't have to get out of 2020 to have our faith back no you mean we don't need a different year to have our our breakthrough no you mean we don't need a a different set of circumstances to have an overcoming breakthrough experience in Christ no now faith you mean we we don't need a different president huh you mean we don't need a different cultural climate no right in the midst Of everything we're facing, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith. Right now, in whatever you're facing, in whatever you're going through, now faith. Now faith. You say, Pastor, I don't have great faith. That's not what it's talking about. The measure of faith. Go get your measure of faith and bring it in the now. You don't have to have great faith. You don't have to have amazing faith. You don't have to have all this great gifting. You just need to go get your measure of faith and bring it in the now. And God will give you a breakthrough.